Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Lives of the Prophets by Mufti Hussein Kamani. Before we get into the session, I wanted to share a quick message with you all. Alhamdulillah, since 2011 until now, we have made a commitment here at Qalam to the podcast. All of our instructors are on the Qalam Podcast contributing, recording, and delivering different series and sessions to you. So that no matter where you are, what's going on, you are able to continue to learn and grow and increase the understanding of your religion. What we ask you to do, aside from continuing to listen and sharing the podcast with family and friends, is go to supportqalam.com. Supportqalam.com. Go there and be a part of the cause. Get your own stake and share in the reward of all the good that is going on and be a part of the solution. Go there, donate, be a part of the solution, share the link with family and friends, and be, let's all of us work together to bringing the proper understanding of Islam and the education of the religion to all the people all around the world. Jazakumullahu khairan. Thank you very much for listening. Now on to the session. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihin ladhin ustafa. Khususan ala sayyidi rusuli wa khatim al-anbiya. Wa ala alihi laskiya wa ashabihi latqiya. Amma ba'd. Today we discuss the story of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. This story is very special and unique. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uniquely brings the story of Yusuf alayhi salam in one place of the Qur'an. Yusuf alayhi salam's name is mentioned in the Qur'an 26 times. Out of which 24 of them are in the story, in the surah of Yusuf. And then there are two other, once in surah An'am and the second in surah Ghafir. Now the reason behind the revelation of the surah, the Mufassirun, they say that the Mushrikun of Mecca, they would make reference to the Yahud, the Jewish people, and they would ask them what were suitable and appropriate things to ask of the Prophet ﷺ. Because the Messenger of Allah ﷺ spoke of revelation, and the Mushrikun of Mecca were not familiar with, with the idea of revelation. For them, right and wrong was confined to what their forefathers had dictated to be right and wrong. Hence their common response was, وَجَدْنَا آبَاءَنَا كَذَلِكَ يَفْعَلُونَ That we found our forefathers doing this, therefore that's our moral compass. Now for the Christians, Jews and Muslims, we don't rely on what our forefathers did, rather we rely primarily on what the Qur'an says, what the teachings of the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ are, and then in addition to that, how these two were practiced by the pious scholars of the past. So we don't solely rely on what the scholars of the past did, rather we view that as an understanding, a, an interpretation of what the Qur'an and Sunnah represent. So the Jews said to the Prophet wasallam that they said to the, they said to the, the Jews said to the people of Mecca, that go to um, your Prophet and ask him, that why did Yaqub and his children relocate from Sham, which is Palestine, Canaan, where they lived, 
Why did they relocate from Sham to Misr? This is our question. So the Mushrikun of Makkah Mukarramah came to the Prophet and they asked him, why did Yaqub and his children relocate? Why did they move from Sham to Misr? And in response to this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the entire Surah Yusuf. Surah Yusuf is a very interesting surah because it's a surah that consists of so many lessons. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to it as Ahsanul Qasas, the best of stories. Because the value of a story is dependent on how many lessons you can take from that story. When you look at the story of Yusuf salam, because of the detail, because of the length of the story, because of how rich it is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has embedded it with lesson after lesson after lesson. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us to the Prophet ﷺ at the end of the surah. This surah is unique because it discusses the tragedy of jealousy. It talks about how far people are willing to go to satisfy their jealousy. In the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the journey of a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from a child to then being thrown into the well with the intention of being ridden of, and then being sold into slavery, and then being falsely accused, and then spending years in a prison, not knowing if he would ever make it out, and if he would make it out, whether his case would ever be cleared. And then after being cleared, going from being someone who was poor, not having anything, growing up inside a well, even, I mean, growing up in a prison, and living in a well for a period, to now becoming the treasurer of Egypt, which is a position second to the king only. And how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards those who are patient, those who trust him. We study the story of Yusuf alayhi salam, and we see that the people who threw him in the well, were now one day standing in front of him, begging him and asking him to give, him, to give them food. And how when a person makes a commitment, when a person makes a commitment to Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also follows through on his commitment. This story teaches us, how to, uh, how to be thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It teaches us how to be patient in the face of life in general. So there are so many stories, and inshallah we'll point out some of these stories and go through them. But before I start with the story of Yusuf alayhi salam, there's one point I want to mention. It's a statement of a famous scholar by the name of Ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandari. He says that many a times you will find that the favor of Allah is hidden within tests. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sending you His favor. He's sending you a special indication, a special sign. Allah is guiding you. Allah is giving you something very special. But it's wrapped in the package of difficulties, mihan. And once you get through those mihan, those calamities, those difficulties, when you open up that box, finally when you do open it up, you will find in there the gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's a summary of the story of Sayyidina Yusuf Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised him a dream when he was young. And in order for him to see that dream manifest itself, there was this packaging that the box came with. And he had to open up that packaging. And it took him decades of making his way to, uh, through those difficulties. And finally, when he did make his way through all of those difficulties, there he found, هَذَا تَأْوِيلُ رُؤْيَا min qabl. At the end of his life, he found that the promise Allah made to him was right before his eyes. وَقَدْ أَحْسَنَ إِذْ أَخْرَجَنِي مِنَ السِّجْنِ Until the end. Now the story of Yusuf starts with Yaqub and we discussed Yaqub life briefly in our last class. We talked about how Yaqub was a son of Ishaq 
And Yaqub was born later on into Ishaq life. Ishaq did not have him at a young age. Secondly, we also learned regarding Yaqub in our previous class that Yaqub had siblings, a brother in particular, who was jealous of him. And the, and the struggles that Yaqub had to deal with because of his jealous brother Isu. And these were lessons that he had learned and was now willing to offer as advice to his sons. From the last wife of, um, the second wife of um, Yaqub was born Yusuf and his brother Binyamin. And I explained in last week's class that even though she was Yaqub second wife, but when it came to giving birth, she was the last wife to give birth. So therefore Yaqub youngest children were Yusuf and Binyamin. Binyamin was a child who was the last child born from his children. When his wife gave birth to Binyamin, she passed away after that. So the mother of Binyamin and Yusuf was gone, and therefore now they were in the direct care of Yaqub and Yaqub gave them extra attention. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Yusuf that when Yusuf was young, one day he saw a dream. إِذْ قَالَ يُوسُفُ لِأَبِيهِ One day Yusuf came to his father and said, يَا أَبَتِي Oh my father, I saw a dream. I saw a dream. إِنِّي رَأَيْتُ أَحَدَ عَشَرَ كَوْكَبَ وَالشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ رَأَيْتُهُمْ لِسَاجِدِينَ That I saw uh, 11 stars and I saw the sun and I saw the moon and I saw them all prostrating in front of me. He was so excited because he was young and he saw this beautiful dream which, had, which was full of meaning. Yaqub being a prophet of Allah, when he heard this dream, he had a very good idea of what this dream was indicating towards. And he was worried that if this dream was shared with others, the others would be jealous to him. So therefore, Yaqub prohibited him. لا تقصص رؤياك على إخوتك فيكيدوا لك كيدا إن الشيطان للإنسان عدو مبين He tells Yusuf don't share this dream with your brothers. Because sometimes jealousy will come from within the home. And it's not because they're bad people, but, but it's because in the shaitan insan. It's not that human beings are bad, but shaitan is waiting for you to present an opportunity for, to, for him to use to turn human beings against one another. And he's just waiting and waiting. And an opportunity like this is prime. It's waiting. It's just sitting there. A gift at the doorstep. Now, the question is that if you're not supposed to share your dreams with people, then why did Yusuf even share his dream with his father? Why did Yusuf share his dream with his father? The scholars they say the reason why he shared his dream with his father was because of two things. It was because he had firm belief that his father was a man who possessed complete knowledge. Number one, he had complete knowledge. His father was a prophet of Allah. And he also was aware that his father was someone that would not plot against him. Rather, his father was a well-wisher. He's someone who loved Yusuf and loved him very dearly. That's why the scholars, they say, that when a person sees a dream, they shouldn't share it with every person. Imam Bukhari narrates from Abu Qatada that he said, I heard the Messenger of Allah saying, Al-ru'ya al-hasanatu min Allah. Good dreams are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِذَا رَآ أَحْدُكُمْ مَا يُحِبُّ فَلَا يُحَدِّثْ بِهِ إِلَّا مَنْ يُحِبُّ That a person when he sees a good dream, he should not share it except for the one that he loves. The one who you dearly love, share that dream with them. Because that person will not plot against you. That person will not try to harm you. 
Um, and in other words, some scholars have said, do not share your dream, but with a labib and habib. Labib is an intellectual person, and habib is someone who loves you very dearly. And then the Prophet continues in the hadith, وَإِذَا رَآ مَا يَكْرَهَ And when you see a dream that you dislike, what you may call a nightmare, when you see one of those dreams, immediately ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect you from the evil of what you saw. And then spit to your side three times. And do not share it with anyone. Because, um, because the dream can't harm you. So there's no point sharing it with other people. Now Yusuf salam shares his dream. And why does he share his dream? Because he's young. Young children are naive. They think the world is as beautiful as they are. They think the world is as innocent as they are. Yusuf salam was completely unaware of the jealousy that his brothers had towards him. So he went to his brothers and he shared the dream with them. So going back to the first point, try not to always expose all of the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has showered you with. Be physical or spiritual. Don't always flaunt them in front of people. Because there are many people out there who unfortunately know nothing better than jealousy. And some people, they may not be jealous, but when they see so much, it's overwhelming for them and they can't bear it. And they end up becoming jealous unknowingly. This also happens, by the way. Therefore, you can find in some narrations um, where the Prophet ﷺ said, "Istainu ala qawail hawaiji bi kitmaniha, fa inna kulladi ni'matin mahsud." That seek assistance on the completion of what you need, your necessities, by hiding them. Don't always express everything you're accomplishing in your life. فَإِنَّ كُلَّ ذِي نِعْمَةٍ مَحْسُودٍ Because every person that is offered a blessing, there's someone out there that's jealous of them. Someone's eyes are looking at them. And unfortunately, we live at a time where this is all we do. Every time there's a new accomplishment, every time there's a new gown, any time there's something that we've done that's desirable, we present it in front of the eyes of people. And uh, there are people out there, like I was saying, who unfortunately are not um, well-intended. Now Yusuf salam shares his dream with his brothers, and his brothers, immediately the jealousy kicks into them. And they start thinking that Yaqub was already so attached to Yusuf and his brother Binyamin. And now that he saw this dream, imagine how much more firm and strong that bond will become. إِذْ قَالُوا لَيُوسُفُ وَأَخُوهُ أَحَبُّ إِلَىٰ أَبِيْنَا مِنَّا وَنَحْنُ عُصْبَىٰ إِنَّ أَبَانَا لَفِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينَ We're young, we're a group of people, we're strong. And here Yaqub already loves those two. Now what's going to happen? Inna abana lafi mubin. Indeed, our father is clearly misguided. So they gather together and they plan. What do we what do we do about this? Yusuf is so young and he's already become such a problem for us all. How do we handle this? Each brother begins to offer their ra'i, their opinion. One of them says, "Uqtulu Yusuf, kill him." Another one says, "Utrahuhu," that go and throw him into a land. Um, and, and by throwing him into the land, abikum, that you will then only you will have the, the devote attention, the direct attention of your father. See, the sons of Yaqub and the brothers of Yusuf were very familiar with the concept of tawbah because they were the sons of a prophet. That let's commit the crime today. Once Yusuf is gone, our hearts will be clear, we won't experience jealousy. Our father's a prophet, we'll continue to go spiritually, we'll become good people, we'll repent to Allah, and all is done. Everything will be perfect. In their eyes, they had planned the perfect, uh, the perfect um, crime. 
Now, one of the, pro one of the brothers of Yusuf salam, and he seems to be the brother who was most sympathetic. We find in the Judeo-Christian tradition and also in the Muslim tradition that this brother is mentioned again and again. Um, قَالَ كَبِيرُهُمْ أَلَمْ تَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ أَبَاكُمْ قَدَ خَضَ عَلَيْكُمْ مَوْثِقًا مِّنَ اللَّهِ مِنْ قَبْلُ وَمَا فَرَّتُمْ فِي يُوسُفِ So this brother, he keeps coming up again and again. The Mufassirun say this was the oldest brother from the brothers. And because he was older, he was more mature, and he had an understanding, he was a God-fearing person. And even though he had a problem with Yusuf السلام, as due to the jealousy, but he understood what was wrong was wrong. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Yusuf that when they planned what they were going to do with him, someone said, kill him, someone said, abandon him in some desert. One of them said, qala qailun min. One of them said, la taqtulu Yusuf, don't kill him. Wa'alquhu fi ghayabatil jub. Go and drop him into some well in some jungle. In his mind, he's thinking that if we drop him in a well, he will be found because travelers look for wells. The second thing is that if we drop him in a well, he won't die because there's waters in well. Right? Water is available in wells, wells so, he'll, so he'll live. So he thought to be, this to be the best scenario. The brothers agreed. But now in order to enact this plan of theirs, they had to find a way to pull Yusuf away from Yaqub. And Yaqub was very attached to his little one. He always kept him nearby. Didn't let him out of his sight. These brothers, they came to their father and they said, Oh, our father, give us your son Yusuf. We'll take him, we'll have fun, we'll play, we'll run around, we'll have a good trip as the brothers, young guys, and we'll come back, you don't have to worry at all. Yaqub salam, there was something about this whole situation that kind of had him um, not feel comfortable. He said, قَالَ إِنِّي لَيَحْزُنُنِي أَن تَذْهَبُوا بِهِ وَأَخَافُ أَن يَأْكُلَهُ الذِّئْبُ وَأَنْتُمْ عَنْهُ غَافِلُونَ That I'm worried, something grieves me, something bothers me, that I fear that you will take him and then a wolf will attack him. While you are unaware, while you're not paying attention, you're off guard, a wolf will come and hurt my then child. These young men responded back by saying, لَإِنْ أَكَلَهُ الذِّئْبُ وَنَحْنُ عُصْبَةٌ إِنَّا إِذَا لَخَاسِرُونَ That if a wolf can attack your son while we are a group of young men, then indeed at that day, at that point in our life, we are true losers. And they continue to um, put pressure on Yaqub salam. Finally, Yaqub salam gives permission. Go and take him. They take their brother Yusuf salam. When they are far away from, uh, from their city, Yusuf salam begins to notice something is off. That they're not kind to him. They're very quiet. They're being rough with him. He's not exactly sure what's going on, but he begins to notice something. Until finally the brothers, فَلَمَّا ذَهَبُوا بِهِ وَأَجْمَعُوا أَن يَجْعَلُوهُ فِي غَيَابَةِ الْجُبْ The brothers came, and they put him right by the well. And you can imagine Yusuf salam being a young child has no idea what's going on. What's my crime? Why are you guys so angry? He's so innocent. Soon to be a prophet of Allah, the son of a prophet of Allah. And they take Yusuf salam, they sit him on the side of the well, and they rip his shirt off him. And Yusuf salam is thinking, Ya Allah, why are they unclothing me? He's unclothed, navel up. And they take the shirt and they push him inside. Yusuf falls in the well and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that at that point we revealed Everything's taken care of. This is all, Allah is aware of what's going on and a time will come when this whole story will come back to a full circle. Just trust us for now. Yusuf being a young child, he finds a place a little elevated in the well and he sits down there and he waits it out. On the other hand, the brothers take this, uh, this shirt of his, 
they find an animal, they slaughter it, they take the blood of the animal, and they put it on the shirt. They dip the shirt inside the blood. And this is their cover story. They come back to Yaqub When they come home, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, They very carefully selected the time of the day that they would meet their father. What time was it? Aisha, what does that mean? Late night in the evening. Why did they come late night in the evening? The scholars, they say that the reason why they came was because that was a dark time of the night. Therefore, Yaqub wouldn't clearly see their facial expressions. They would be able to hide their crocodile tears. And he would not be able to see whether they were truly worried or whether it was all false. And then they said, Ya Abana, invoking his mercy and compassion. Oh, our dear father. And they share the story. Oh, our father, you suspected the wolf would eat him? And that's exactly what happened. That we were gone sporting, racing, firing arrows, doing our thing. And we told Yusuf because he was young and he wasn't ready for this to watch over our goods. And when we came back, our belongings were there, but Yusuf was gone. And all we have here are his garments. And they present, As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they presented to their father a garment, a shirt, with false blood on there. Yaqub when he saw this garment with the false blood, he immediately noticed that there was deception going on. There was a lie here. And how he knew there was a lie was because the garment was soaked in blood. However, it was sound. There was no tear marks in there. And if a wolf ate his child, how would the wolf bite into him without ripping into the shirt? Yaqub was an intelligent person. And this is exactly where the Mufassirun, they bring this issue, the Fuqaha actually, they bring this issue as narrated by Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi That it is permitted for someone in a position of authority to look into the signs and symbols of what's going on, not just focus on one part of the evidence. What else is going on? Yes, there's a shirt. Yes, it's covered in blood, but why is there no tear? Something's off here. The story is not clear. Yaqub at that point he says, He calls them out. That you guys have been deluded by yourselves. And you're trying to lie to me? I won't buy into your lie. However, فَصَبْرٌ jamil, I will be patient. Allah is the one who will help me on what you describe, on what you say actually happened to my son. This is not what happened. But since you're saying, Allah will help me and I'll remain patient. Now if we look at the verse, when the sons of Yaqub were complaining and sharing the story of what happened, while they were telling their father that the wolf came, or the fox came and it ate our brother, they slipped up and they gave it away that they were not being truthful. They said, وَمَا أَنْتَ بِمُؤْمِنٍ لَنَا وَلَوْ كُنَّا صَادِقِينَ They gave it away there. And the translation of that is, and you would not be one who believes in us even if we were telling the truth. وَلَوْ كُنَّا صَادِقِينَ Even if we were telling the truth, you wouldn't have believed us. And for a Prophet Yaqub that was admission more or less. وَلَوْ كُنَّا صَادِقِينَ You're already admitting that you committed it. That's why you're saying if we had spoken the truth, you wouldn't have believed us. Now, on the other hand, Yusuf alayhi salam, imagine how lonely it must have been for him. 
You know, he didn't have a mother growing up. She passed away after the birth of, her, of his younger brother, Binyamin. He wasn't just a son to his father, but he was very close to his father. And now being taken away. Have you ever seen the reaction of a child who was taken away from their mother or father? Let's say, for example, there's a mother. She has a child, and the mother has to go back home to visit the family, go back to Nigeria, or go back to Somalia, or go back to the Middle East. And she has a young six-year-old child. The, six, the young six-year-old child is with his mom. He sees his mom packing the bags. He has no idea what she's doing. Mom says, we're going to the airport. He has no idea why they're going to the airport. He sees the dad load the bags in the car, but he still doesn't know. He sits in the back seat. His mom checks in her bag. She gets her ticket. Right when it comes time for her to cross security, she drops it on him, but I'm going and you're not coming. What does that child do immediately? He rushes and clings on to his mother. But then the father comes from behind and pulls the child slowly until the hand slips away. Now, how much does that kid cry? It's as if you've just broken that kid's heart. You've just torn their heart apart because you've separated them from their parent. Here, Yusuf is taken away from his father. He's sitting in the bottom of this well with no direction in life. What's going to happen? I'm young. How am I going to eat? What if something really comes and attacks me? What's the future? My father Yaqub must be crying. He probably misses me. Why did my brothers do this? Did I do something wrong? Was I the one who's at, at fault here? Am I guilty? Is there a crime that I committed? So many thoughts must be going through this child's mind. And then after some, some time passes by, Allah says, وَجَاءَتْ سَيَّارَةً A qafila, a caravan was passing by. فَأَرْسَلُوا وَارِدَهُمْ They sent their الْوَارِد الْوَارِد this is the person whose responsibility is to go and fetch water. Al-Warid is the person whose responsibility is to go and fetch water. So this man, Warid, he comes. He finds a well. He throws his bucket in to fetch water. And he pulls it up. When he pulls it up, Ya Bushra hada ghulam. There's no water in the bucket, but what's in the bucket? There's a kid here. And this kid was beautiful. And he thinks to himself, wow, I just hit the jackpot. So he comes back to his people, وَأَسَرُّهُ بِضَاعَ These people realize that if we found him here, his family must be here nearby somewhere. Before they find him and take him away from us, this is a beautiful opportunity for us to sell him into slavery. We'll make money. We're travelers. No one's going to ask us where we got him from. وَأَسَرُّهُ بِضَاعَ They hid him inside their, their, their belongings. Tied his legs, tied his hands, put a cloth to his, through his mouth, hushed him up and put him inside. Now there are some Israeli riwayat that suggest that after the brothers left him, the older one, he couldn't swallow it. So when he was going, he saw a caravan passing by. He went to the caravan and said, guys, there's a well over there, there's a kid in there, go and get that kid and bring him back to this city. He wanted everything to fall back into place so that the brothers wouldn't have to lie and they wouldn't commit this big crime. In those riwayat, it is mentioned, that when those people went there, they checked and the well was empty. They came back and told his older brother that we went there to check, the well's empty. He came and checked and the well was empty. By then, Yusuf salam is already going from Kanaan down south. With this caravan tied up in the luggage, hidden, tucked away, until he arrives in Misr. They arrive in Misr, they pull the sheet off of the caravan, and they begin to put all of their belongings, all their goods for sale. And in the market, in the slave market, they had a young, beautiful, innocent child for sale.
who was tied up. His name was Sayyidina Yusuf bin Yaqub bin Ishaq bin Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam. People were passing by and they saw the market and they saw all these goods. But then they saw this very unique person, this very unique, handsome, beautiful looking child. And they begin to line up. There was an Aziz. The Aziz of Misr was like the Khazin, the treasurer of Egypt. This is a time before the pharaohs, the scholars they say, and this is a time where the Malik, the king, was the one who managed the affairs of Egypt. The second in command was the treasurer. He was the one that distributed the budget, collected the money, watched over all the affairs. The king was the one who sat on the throne. But other than sitting in the throne and having the last signature, or the last say and everything, all of the affairs were under the management of the Aziz, the Khazin, the person who was responsible of managing the treasures of Egypt. This Aziz, the historians have said his name was Qutfir. His name was Qutfir, as narrated by Ibn Abbas He saw this young child and he went forward to purchase the child. Now there's a story mentioned here. It is weak, doesn't really have much a strong sanad behind it. But there's a beautiful lesson in it, so I'll share it anyway. They say that people, when they saw Yusuf being sold in the market, they all lined up. People lined up to place their bids. There was a massive line. And in that line, there was a lady standing with a cotton basket on her head, with a basket full of cotton. She was standing in line. Cotton picking has never been the most prestigious occupation. You don't make a lot of money from it. So she was standing in line. One person said to her, that you know, all these people are standing here to place a bid. Do you really think you're going to win the bid? Look at you, you're a poor lady. There's no chance you're going to win the bid for Yusuf. So this lady said, well, the truth is, even I don't expect myself to win the bid. But I'm looking at this child's face and I see there's something special in him. There's something unique about this child. It's as if he is somehow inspired by Allah. And if Allah on the Day of Judgment says to me, that you saw one of my friends being sold in the market, what were you doing to play your part? At least I can say to Allah, Ya Allah, I stood in the line. I didn't have the ability to make a change, but at least I stood. I didn't give up. I wasn't someone that was just going to complain about how miserable the world was and how bad it was seeing a friend of yours being sold in the market after I had identified this person by looking at him. Rather, I stood in line and I did something about it. And the scholars, they share this incident as a part of doing your best. And that's all we can do because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed the prophets, مَا عَلَى الرَّسُولِ إِلَّا الْبَلَاغِ 